After a long month of diving into Skinwalker, we're hoping you got a fix of the paranormal and aliens. But don't take our word on it. Instead, let's finish January with a little more alien activity. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. The good guys dress in black. Remember that. Just in case we ever face to face and make contact. Oh, wait. The title held by me and my V means what you think you saw. You did not see. Guys, I lied to Kylie. We are not doing short stories. We're doing the men in black. Oh, my God. I love the men in black. Oh, my God. I love the men in black. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> What is the true mission of the Men in Black? Is it the suppression of information regarding UFOs and extraterrestrials? All right, Beatrice, there was no alien. The flash of light you saw in the sky was not a UFO. Swamp gas from a weather balloon was trapped in a thermal pocket and refracted the light from Venus. Well, wait, wait a minute. So you just flash that thing, it erases our memory, and you, you just make up a new one? A standard issue neuralizer. And that weak-ass story is the best you can come up with. All right, guys, as you just heard from the very <laughs> obnoxious intro that I decided to do this time around, I've been lying to Kylie about this week's episode. We were going to do alien abduction short stories, but Kylie wants to cover the men in black so bad. So I knocked out the men in black episode for Kylie. I love the men in black. It just. They're these, just so interesting. <laughs> just blow my fucking mind. I'm so excited. So before we get into all the fun, we we have a few businesses, business eye, business, business, business eye, <laughs> busies to attend. Oh, I like busies. <laughs> so coming in 2022, we last week had talked about some new changes to the schedule. So we kind of want to further update those so that you guys know what to look for in the cryptic soup happenings. Happenings. So. <laughs> We have been listening to all your guys' feedback, and one thing that we heard was as much as you guys love us hitting a bunch of cases back-to-back with similar themes, at certain times that does get kind of grueling because it's a little heavy on you. So we totally understand. We're going to instead melt all the episodes together, and we're going to just back-to-back different things. Sometimes it'll be a conspiracy. Sometimes it'll be a serial killer. Sometimes it'll be a cult and then randomly we're gonna throw jeff the fucking talking mongoose at you i mean we are soup so so this is gonna become some hearty soup up in here (laughs) hearty soup (laughs) with that being said since we can't do an easter egg photo because of this concept that's why we're bringing you final fridays and we said we're gonna start those around the end of march because it'll be the final friday in march we're so excited for final fridays if you didn't listen to the last episode Final Fridays is where we're going to essentially cook because we love it. We're definitely foodies, but we're going to um, show a bunch of different final meals and we'll we'll do like a little snippet of what the case is or was, how and, they yeah. died, whether it was lethal injection, et cetera. Maybe yeah. last word, something we'll throw a little bit out for you as the caption, obviously, each time. But we're going to give you some final meals. And we love food. We love food. We're so excited. We are very stoked on this. And we figured this is a more better representation of us. And it gets you guys to know us better. Because it's just, it's fun. We like cooking. We do. We really do. Until then, let's uh, figure out who the men in black are, I guess. Right? Let's do it. I'm so excited. So we've been talking about the men in black. and We've been referencing them as part of Skinwalker Ranch. but. I, you gotta know more about them. So I may not have this like super sexy, sultry, smooth voice here. I kind of have like a 14 year old boy going through puberty (laughs) with a cracking voice every few minutes type voice. No, you don't. But pretend it's really, really (laughs) nice because I'm going to tell you a story. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to paint a picture in your mind here real quick. Imagine for me. It's a beautiful night in April. It's the current year that it is now, whenever you're listening to this. You finished having dinner on your first date with a person you've been dying to ask out for weeks. Afterwards, you two decided to 
take the long route home, taking a detour just to get a few extra moments together. You're soaking in each other's presence, catching glances at one another in the car. You both hum along to the music playing faintly from a random playlist you just have going on in the background. This is a memory you're both excited to look back on with such happy fondness. It's the first date gone perfectly right. But then something happens. Was that, was that a flash? A light? What was that? You're both nervous. Was that, was, was that? It, it can't be. Do they even exist? You're wondering if your mind's playing a joke on you. Are you seeing things? You notice there's a new feeling in the car. It's no longer giddy lightheartedness, almost warm feelings that earlier was filling these spaces. But now the excitement is fear, wonder, mystery. You can't even place it. You both saw it. It, whatever it was, you both want to say what you think it was, but you don't want to be the person to break the silence. But then you decided it just needs to be brought up. You tried, but you can't find the words. So before you get a chance, there it is again. It's just past the horizon. You see it. It's a a disc, a a shape. There's, there's lights. There's so many, so, so many lights and it's gone. You both take a sharp breath, but you decide not to talk about it just yet. When you drop your date off, you promise to talk about it tomorrow. But tonight, you need to sleep on it and decide if you really saw what you think you saw. After getting home, fucking dogs. (laughs) Every time time you say it. (laughs) I'm trying to do this voice, too. (laughs) After getting home. You keep thinking about the scenario. You decide you want to text your date and tell them. You just can't wait to talk about it. You think you know what you saw. You saw a UFO. Aliens exist. You know you sound crazy, but you just have to tell them this news. You have to blog about it. You have to do something because there's something out there and you need everyone to know what just happened. But before you can press send, there's a knock at the door. As you go to answer it, you pass by a window. You see in your driveway an older modeled car just sitting idle, still running. You answer the door, and there's two men in black suits, expressionless. And they tell you, we're here to talk about what you think you saw. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) So before you get all stoked, I have to be honest, we are not talking about Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, guys. Shucks. Drats. Turn it off now. Why even (laughs) listen? We'll see you next week. (laughs) Instead, we're going to talk about what the men in black are, because these are more like spooky UFO folklore guys. Some people think they're real. Some people don't. So we're going to go through some stories and then we'll figure out Kylie's opinion on if they're real or not. Because right now she says she's a firm believer. Let's figure out once we dive into... The men in black. So what are the men in black supposed to be? The men in black are said to be mysterious, dark suited figures that can appear more like humans than aliens. But we don't know. They contact UFO eyewitnesses and warn them to not reveal the existence of extraterrestrials that they may know or have seen. The men in black will usually come to you or your home in a pair of two or a grouping of three, and they can look like Government agents or shape-shifting space aliens in disguise. Because you can easily tell what those are, right? Right, totally. (laughs) Like, I can actually point those out every day, so I'm really glad you asked. Yeah. Most often, they're described as looking like two men who stepped out of a black and white movie with suave good looks and dark suits. The origin of the men in black can be traced back to the 1950s, usually. But there was one occasion before this that holds pretty much no credibility But we should talk about it, right? So in some scenarios, it says that this happened in July, but in the books, it says June. So we're going with June. It's a little weird why the date changes, but also History Channel calls it June. So guess what we're going with? We're going with June. We're going with June. When I talk about sources later, I'll tell you all of them that I used, but let's go through June. June 27th, 1947. Harold Dahl was on a mission at Puget Sound near the eastern shore of Washington's Moray Island. Puget Sound is my 
favorite place on earth. I thought you were going to make fun of me for saying it weird. I was like, no, that's how it's pronounced. I checked for once. I did things right. Orcas Island in Puget Sound is my absolute <laughs> favorite place I, I have ever this. been to in my entire life. Did you know off Miami, Florida, there's a place called Raccoon Island and you go and raccoons will like come up to you and like befriend you? Excuse me, what? <laughs> All right. My TikTok <laughs> for you page is just wild, dude. Let's go. Okay. Sorry. So <laughs> you can't talk about Puget Sound and I can't freak out about it. Like, well, the beginning half of the story is all Puget Sound, so go you. This one takes place on the eastern shore of Washington's Moray Island. So do you know where that is? I don't actually. Oh, okay. Well, I don't either. <laughs> Good. We're doing off to a great start, guys. Well, it's eastern. Puget Sound is like northwestern. Like yeah, it's the very so this, tip of Washington. So this is probably like sliding kind of around the yeah, side like of it. over here. You can see our hand movements, right, guys? Yeah, you totally. see the map we're painting in the air. <laughs> So Harold Dahl was currently out gathering wood for a fire when he saw six donut or circular shaped lighted objects hovering about a half a mile above his boat. At this point, he goes towards his boat. And after a few moments, one of them nearly fell 1500 feet, followed by raining metallic debris and fragments. So like UFO shrapnel is what Mm. I'm imagining. So they're not cigar shaped. (laughs) They are not Chevron cigar. Sh- sh- God damn. I'm trying to make a joke and I can't. All right. Just- Throughout those words. I'm over it. So Dahl was not alone on the boat. His son Charles and the family dog was with him. I hate to tell you this, Kylie, but the dog didn't survive this ordeal because no. some of the shrapnel fell on him and killed him. Oh, Dahl. I want to know what kind of dog. I yeah, looked, I need to know specifics. I, I looked up more stuff, but there wasn't not. a ton of information because oh, it's really sad. old. So Dahl was able to take some pictures of the aircraft with his camera. This is a rare thing, which he later showed to his supervisor, Fred Chrisman. So the two main guys at this point are going to be Dahl and Chrisman. Dahl is the person that saw this. Chrisman is the person that is going to go and double check that Dahl's statements are true. Chrisman did not believe these events. He seemed very skeptical, so he went back to the scene to look for himself, but he saw a strange aircraft with his own eyes, he said. The following morning, Dahl claimed he was then visited by three men in dark suits. They were like, hey, let's take you to breakfast. And he's like, I could always go for a pancake. (laughs) Smoking a pancake. That's really weird. So they went to a local diner. And the dark-suited men started to explain to Dahl what happened to Dahl the day before. So they were telling him what happened to him. This obviously, like, made Dahl be like, the fuck? Like, right? he was shocked. The men then finished their story at the end, and Dahl said what they told him was, what I've said to you is proof that I know a great deal about this experience of yours than you will want to believe. So they were trying to, like, shock him, being like, bro, I know what happened to you. Then he warned Dahl to not talk about his experience anymore or bad things will happen. This incident became known as the Maury Incident. Maury Incident. Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) What is it called? The Maury Island Incident. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) They were both I words, so I just kind of like. We quite quite often on this podcast and in real life joke that I'm dyslexic (laughs) and I'm starting to wonder if I slightly am (laughs) because I'm really bad at reading and I I can't very well. Hmm. I don't think that makes you dyslexic. No, I think there's variations, isn't there? Well, yeah, I'm sure there is. Because I always flip the words and I thought that was a, a part of it. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe I didn't I'm really know you bad flipped at the words because sometimes you just omit them completely. <laughs> I think that's because I was going to flip them. So I'm just like, let's just delete that. Let's just uh, delete. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really good at the whole reading aspect. I should learn more about this. It'd be very interesting. Also, let's start a podcast <laughs> where, <laughs> where I have to read. read. <laughs> that's why writing takes me so long. Um, well, this is the Morian. <laughs> What is it? <laughs> Holy fuck. 
This incident was known as the Maury Island incident. I think it's because incidents twice in the word also. Sentence. This event began a lot of conspiracy theories, and the U.S. government did their own investigation of the event. However, before they got too deep into this event, another event took place. You forgot that <laughs> event a lot. How many times can I say event in one paragraph? <laughs> you could have said, like, story or take a shot for every time Thena says event <laughs> drinking game oh, hold on let's count this event one conspiracy theories government did their own investigation of the event two before they got too deep into the event three <laughs> another event four, took, uh, four times in two sentences guys I'm killing it yeah, I was going to say it was only two sentences <laughs> wow so the next event <laughs> there was another UFO sighting on June 24th 1947 near Mount Rainer in Washington. This was three days after the Maury Island incident. This incident involved a pilot who claimed that he also saw a UFO. So I think now, it's rainier. Is it? It is. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. That's okay though. Oops. It's really pretty. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. At this point, since there were two incidents, they were now both being questioned very heavily by the U.S. government. Because, you know, like if one crazy guy starts speaking up, it's like, eh, OK, he's crazy. Two crazy guys. Oh, shit. We got to do our work now. We got to file papers <laughs> and shit. <laughs> now we actually have to do work. Mm -hmm. So in 1949, the government report called <laughs> Flying Saucers. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Stated Chrisman and Dahl had reached out to a Chicago magazine in attempts to sell their story. Dahl tried immediately to sell the story to the Chicago publication. But that just gave everyone the first clue that this story might not be true because he's now using his story solely to gain a profit. Which that is a big sign. That's what you and I always say is that yeah. usually it's the people that aren't trying to make money off it that are the most. That's why like, we believe the, the exorcism. Yeah. Was because the family tried so desperately like not to gain notoriety from it. It just happened. Yeah. The government's next step, though after this notoriety gain was to try to go out and decide if there really was debris or residue left over from the first UFO incident. They were told the UFO fell or had plunged down, remember, and that all this debris and shrapnel was around. So they're like, obviously, this is a way to get hard evidence. So two officers that were Army A2 intelligence officers were called in to aid to the investigation of Dahl's claims. In July of 1947, they do this. So it had been a little while, but if there's debris, there's debris. Like, you know, there, no one's, I, I mean, I would go pick up a giant UFO part, yeah, but no, normal me people too. want it. <laughs> so their plane had never made it back to Hamilton Field, though. This is quite interesting because after leaving in their B-25 airplane the next day, the plane caught fire and crashed, killing both officers. If that's not weird enough, there were actually four people on the plane and only the two officers died that were carrying the uh, alien artifacts. So the other two men on the plane were a crew chief and a hitchhiker who was a military guy. Um, he was kind of, that sounds really sketch. Let me explain it. He was someone that was in the military, but he had to get back to his own base. So he was like hitchhiking back to his own base. I understand now. Yeah. They call it something different in the military, but they do it all the time. <laughs> oh, OK. But um, yes, I'm dumb here. So I'm going to call him a hitchhiking military man. That's way better than what it probably is. <laughs> so they both managed to parachute to safety. So they they lived and only the two men hired to determine if UFOs were real or not were declared dead and died. And this obviously made ufologists and like everyone in the UFO community be like, it's a conspiracy. Mind blown. So the government started to investigate the conspiracy claims now because now they have a whole new problem. Because <laughs> at this point, people, newspaper, news out outlets, literally everyone was just hinting, being like, we're not saying in these exact words that the plane crashed. And was destroyed because alien artifacts are on board. However, it's a little convenient that alien artifacts were on board and the plane crashed and was destroyed. A little bit of a coinky dink there. Hmm. 
So the government obviously found no indication of foul play and they closed the entire case by saying it was a mechanical failure with the plane and no other evidence. Of course. Sounds a little uh, easy to cover up mechanical failure. That's that's a real thing that happens, but it could be more than that. So while this was going on, Chrisman, which is the boss, remember, not the man that actually saw everything. He's the man that went back the next day and saw the potential flying spacecraft. He took a man named Captain Smith to see the damaged boats because Captain Smith was a captain. He knew boats, you know, obviously. So are you thinking the same thing I am when I say Captain Smith? Maybe. How about three shillings and no name? Welcome to Port Royal, Captain (laughs) Smith. Yes. From Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. So Captain Smith was going to be shown where the boat was damaged because the shrapnel and fragments falling on the boat and hitting it and everything. However, Captain Smith later said in reports that the only things he noticed were the lights were replaced, the windshield was recently replaced, and the boat itself did have like dings and scratches and stuff like that all over it. But it wasn't very severely damaged and it looked like normal wear and tear, not like giant metal debris had hit this boat and damaged it and harmed it. Mm -hmm. So the fragments were later found after the plane crash and were determined to be fake. They were actually random rocks from Puget Sound and this made the whole story start to crumble. Interesting. So this little spark lit the whole story of flaze, a flaze, <laughs> a fire ablaze. Yep. Okay. A blaze, because at this point, Crimson and Dahl admitted while being questioned by the government that their story was a hoax. But this planted the seed of the idea of the men in black being created. And that's where it all started was these men that came, visited, took them out to, a you know, IHOP or whatever. And they went and they had some pancakes and were told they can't talk. I mean, like, would you go out to breakfast if three men in black suits were like, hey, let's go get some breakfast? I love breakfast. Yes. Really, though? I mean, yeah, I probably would because my curiosity well, would will also always because kill me. He but. thought they were CIA agents like they yeah. looked like it and stuff, you know, he and he just saw this and he reported this. So he's probably like, ah, shit, the government. OK, right. if I don't go, I'm going to be in more trouble. So he's probably weary, but he went probably more so like. However, if it's not an option. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and that's how I would think they made it sound. But also we have to think that if these are alienoid creatures and things, they have the power to slightly control warp your mind. That is something Mm -hmm. we've heard in the past. Mm -hmm. So maybe they do just kind of be like, you want to come get breakfast with us. Right. And you're like, I want to come get breakfast. I want to come get breakfast with you. My other theory is, or not theory question is, If they would have said all the stuff they said at the diner beforehand, wouldn't you be more scared? Like the reason I feel like they took him to a diner is it's a public place. You can't make a scene. You can't freak out. That's why they were like, hey, come with us. Yeah. And if they're not human, that's a great way to disguise it because they're around so many other humans. They can keep seeing how humans interact. Yeah. So their interactions appear normal. Almost as if they're uh, a part skinwalkery. Oh, oh, interesting. I wonder if anyone's ever covered uh, the Skinwalker cases before. Oh, I wonder. I think we did, didn't we? Oh, I think we did. (laughs) Maybe you should should, uh, look those up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So in the 1950s, there was a lot more traction to the men in black theories. And that's when the stories really came alive. The concept of MIB was, which I'm going to call the men in black MIB. We all know what MIB stands for. Men in Black. It's in the song. If you don't know that, catch up on your Will Smith history. So the concept of the MIB was sparked with the Air Force program that was investigating flyer saucer claims called Project Blue Book. Flying saucer claims? Uh, it's the claims for if you see a flying saucer. You said flyer. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah. Flyers. I thought you were like, what was the other time that that happened where I started telling you about something? You're like, no. Oh, the name. Damn. What was her name? Ortega. Uh, oh, Sylvia. Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> like saliva Ortega. I don't remember what. And you were just like, 
Selvia. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what you and said. And I'm like, well, Ortega's her new last name because she's married. Like, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Back up more. I love how I can't even catch my messes anymore. <laughs> I just I roll with them. I'm over them. <laughs> now, if you don't know what Project Blue Book is, let's give a quick lesson here. Project Blue Book is the code name for the study of unidentified flying objects, otherwise known as UFOs, by the U.S. Air Force. It was begun in March of 1952 and was discontinued in December 17th, 19. 19- 69. 69. Oh, what a time. <laughs> That's when my mom was born. Really? Mm-hmm. What a lucky little... On De- in December, too? No. Oh. June. Drats. Not as good. Uh, no, maybe it's better. Summer. Yeah. So the project took place at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, and it had two goals. One, to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security, and two to scientifically analyze UFO-related data. Thousands of UFO reports were collected, analyzed, and filed to hopefully yield major scientific discoveries. Among the reports were many reports that had talked about men in black characters that would visit witnesses to discourage them from speaking out about their experiences. By the time Project Blue Book had ended, it had collected 12,618 different UFO reports and concluded that most of them were just misidentifications of natural phenomena or conventional aircrafts. Mm, I don't think so. So uh, (laughs) weather balloons, if you will. (laughs) Right. In the end, there were 701 reports that were classified as unexplained events. And after a program was discontinued, or after the program was discontinued, The UFO reports were archived and were available only under the Freedom of Information Act, but all names and personal information of witnesses has been redacted. Do you say, if I'm going to spell a word, I want you to pronounce it. I want to know if you say it differently than me. Okay. (laughs) D-A-T-A. I say data. What do I say? What did I say earlier? Data? Data. What do I say? I don't know. Now I'm thinking about it too much that I can't think. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I always want to know what people say when they say data or data. I think I say data. I don't know. I fucked it up. Data now. just sounds really weird to me. I think data sounds more like Star Trekky. Fetch me the data on that report. It just sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. In the early 1950s, a UFO buff named Albert K. Bender had created a small organization. This organization was called the International Flying Saucer Bureau. If, if it's, yeah, I was going to say that. This is, this is like the first one that doesn't have a good acronym. Yeah. No wonder it didn't succeed. <laughs> so this group was most known for publishing a magazine called Space Review. Man, they're really creative with the names. <laughs> they really are. Like... The most creative I've ever heard names. I mean, if you really think about it, men in black is not that creative either. Like, it's literally just what they are. They are men that wear black suits, men in black. Literally. In 1953, Bender had claimed that he was visited by three men wearing dark suits who ordered him to not to continue publishing information about aliens or UFOs. Bender maintained that the men in black were secret government agents who had been given the task of suppressing evidence of UFOs. Like many alien stories, there was no evidence to prove if this encounter was real or not. So many skeptics had claimed that the stories were just to maintain that the magazine would sell more since they were losing money and the whole place was about to plunder. 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 UFO magazine publisher Gray Barker had became interested in the story and wrote his own book in 1956 about the event called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. Again, super creative. By the way, the name Gray is my favorite name in the whole world. I love, yeah, I love that If name. I ever changed my name, I always said I would change it to Gray. Like your first name? Mm-hmm. Interesting. It just doesn't flow, though, with my last name, so that's why I did it. In Barker's 1956 book, he described Bender's visitors as this. Kylie, take it away. Three men in black suits with threatening expressions on their faces. Three men who walk in on you and make certain demands. Three men who know that you know what the saucers really are. 
So Bender in his own book in 1962, because that was Barker's book, remember? I know the names sound a lot uh, um, alike. Sorry, there's Gray Barker and Albert Bender. So we're going back to Bender. He wrote his own book in 1962 called <laughs> Flying Saucers and Three Men. Okay. <laughs> he described these three men in black differently. Kylie, read this one for me. They floated about a foot off the floor. They looked like clergymen, but wore hats similar to Hamburg style. The faces were not clearly discernible, for the hats partly hid and shaded them. The eyes of all three figures suddenly lit up like flashlight bulbs. They seemed to burn into my very soul as the pains above my eyes became, became almost unbearable. So Homburg hats, those are like those 1950s looking hats that you see like the detectives wear. Mm -hmm. you, you know which hat yeah. I'm talking about, right? Okay, yeah. It's one of those hats, just in case if you're not imagining what this looks like. It's that 1950s black and white detective movie noir where the girl's in the white dress and she runs in and she's like, my husband, he's been <laughs> murdered. Help <gasps> me find him. Yeah. Damsel. I'm damsel. Now, in Bender's book, The Flying Saucers and Three Men, the one Kylie quoted second, he claimed that the men who visited appeared more like humans because they kidnapped Earth people and wore their bodies as a disguise, and they are really aliens. They said that during a later conversation. Now, that sounds all kind of weird, right, Kylie? Yeah, but. But here's the thing. Bender maintained this story and never once faltered, never changed it or anything until the day he died in 2002. That is very interesting. He never strayed from the path. Now, here's some things Bender did during his life. His story never changed, but wildly, later in his years, he canceled all of his other articles about aliens, and he canceled anything that he had in publication talking about it being a government cover-up. Bender also shut down his side project that he created and founded that was a little over a year old. It was called the International Flying Saucer Bureau. Also, this group was essentially MUFON before MUFON was MUFON. Just keep up. Okay. Kylie, what's MUFON stand for? Mutual UFO Network. Ooh, baby. <laughs> did I get it? Yeah, you did. I did it. I did it. What's NICAP? Oh, no. Okay, never mind, never mind. <sighs> if you guys don't know what we're talking about, Kylie played a really fun trivia game in but, Skinwalker Part 3. Yeah, it was super fun. Where she tried to debunk at, or like... Try to remember. Acronyms in the UFO world. It was yeah. pretty fun for me, I guess. For you. Because <laughs> you knew them all. So the club, the International Flying Saucer Bureau Club, was the first major civilian club for UFO enthusiasts. And it was pretty popular. Now, all that makes Bender's story sound a little bit more real because, like, he is claiming this really intensely. But a lot of people claim that Bender didn't have any of these experiences and didn't experience anything outerworldly. Instead, he just had really vivid dreams and he was unable to tell the difference between reality and dreams because these sound like something only someone can make up in their head. I feel like. What he's saying is a different type of encounter, and I don't remember what the grays. Yes, that's what it reminds me of. Yes, and I mean the grays can still dress up, or like lizards, the reptilians. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you just get there, I'll finish your sentence. I got. <laughs> yeah, we'll Ky get there eventually. <laughs> Kylie walked in my room earlier today, and she goes, "Hey, what was that show?" And I was like, "Scream Queens." She's like, "Yes, thank you." I literally couldn't finish my sentence. I could not remember for the life of me the show that I was going to watch after I was done watching Shit's Creek. Yeah, like <laughs> for the second or third time because it's amazing. Um, so I've started finishing Kylie's sentences for her. Yeah, so that's a thing that's happening. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Welcome to my mind. <laughs> that already is all kind of like, hmm, do I believe Bender? Do I not believe Bender? Was he on a Bender? <laughs> what was happening here <laughs> maybe he was <laughs> that could have been the whole thing 
So everyone was still super skeptical. But the thing is, is Bender was that serious to continue his whole life pursuing that everyone knew the truth. But then he canceled his own like certain things like the government cover up and stuff, which could be a cover up. Yeah. So. As most people are skeptical with a lot of things that are alien themed, they're skeptical with this. I want to move on because that gives you the summary of Bender. Let's go back to talking about Barker, the other guy. So there's a lot of back and forth on whether or not anything Barker has ever said is credible. Before we get into that, let's take a side little sidestep here. Kylie brought it up in the last Skinwalker drama. There is so much drama. drama. <laughs> Sorry. Do it again. Drama. <laughs> there is so much drama in the ufo and alien world if you don't know about it it's almost comical how much these it's you know what it's like it's like myspace commenting um feuds okay i was gonna say it's star trek versus star wars it is no it is it It is is. it really is mufon is star wars and nicap is or well no i guess nicap is star trek yeah 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 or it's like that south park episode the emos versus the uh goths that's what it is all right i can't help you (sighs) it's it's just childish drama at this point so we'll discuss this someday when we go into like a full-on mufon nightcap episode and everything but during this time of the book coming out of specifically barker's book So that was in 1956. That was the book called Flying Saucers. I'm sorry, that was not. That was the book that Barker wrote called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. (laughs) Super creative. (laughs) So creative every time. During this time, a folklorist, meaning someone that studies folklore, Mm -hmm. James Lewis had wrote an encyclopedia called UFOs and popular culture. In this book, he wrote the following. Kylie? Barker considered himself an entertainer rather than a factual reporter and was a gifted writer with a gentle, understated sense of humor. One of Barker's best friends was James W. Mosley, publisher of a rival magazine, Saucer News. Barker was an, an accomplished prankster and hoaxer, and together with Mosley even faked a U.S. State Department letter stating that the government had hard evidence of UFO contact and sent it to a man who claimed to have been abducted by aliens. So let's break that down. (laughs) Essentially, he's telling us every word that has ever been uttered from Barker's mouth is a lie. That's pretty much what he says, because that rival magazine was doing better, things like that, Saucer News. So they're like, let's get together and make us both do good. You know, all right, whatever. And he also published it as an encyclopedia. (laughs) The audacity, sir. (sighs) I really want to someday do an episode. Now, I'm not even going to, you know what? It'll be a surprise. You guys will get it when you get it. It All you know now is it has to do with encyclopedias. It's a surprise for that me too. That sounds boring, but oh, it's crazy. Welcome to the ride. <laughs> so if this wasn't enough to put doubt in people's mind, another colleague of Barker's was named John C. Sherwood. You're going to hear that name in the UFO community. John Sherwood wrote an article called Gray Barker, My Friend, The Myth Maker. Okay. So he claimed the stories of Men in Black was a hoax, and at the age of 18, he was personally convinced by Barker to help develop the story about the Men in Black. He said publishing the book about the three dark-suited creatures and the threatening UFO experts and witnesses into silence was a complete source of fiction. Maybe they were all visited by Men in Black and were told to write these things. Kylie did. Did you just crack the case? I'm dancing spookily, by the way. <laughs> I want to know what you were going to say about what you're doing. Over there. <laughs> I thought you were like doing yoga. I'm like doing like backwards um, spirit fingers. 
Okay, you're doing great. I'm sorry. I'm about it. <laughs> so before Barker's books, before Barker's books, what a good alliteration. The stories of Men in Black were actually pretty quiet and less known about. Because mostly you only knew about it through like UFO themed newspapers, flyers, things like that. Because Dahl's story was really the biggest one that had talked about it. The stories of Men in Black weren't something that were on the evening news. They weren't talked about in the dinner table, things like that. And Barker's book got the ball rolling to really introduce the Men in Black as a frequent thing that happens with UFO sightings. So at this point, more people were claiming to have seen Men in Black or heard stories about them with their alien encounters and such. This evolved how the Men in Black were portrayed because originally they sounded almost like FBI or CIA agents that were just guys in suits looking to come to your home and intimidate you. But as we know, the fun game of telephone goes. Each person added an embellishment to the story. Each person added their own details, things like that. And the Men in Black story was changing. Their speech became really like stiff, almost robotic at times, or it would have like glitches. They would use really outdated phrases that didn't sound correct, especially that weren't correct in the area. Their looks were really close to human, but something always seemed off. And they would say things that just seemed off and just out of the ordinary, but they were understandable still. They were speaking correctly, just just, just weird. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of an example, but like all I can think about is how the weird stuff talks to you and fall out. <laughs> OK, yeah, kind of like that. Or like instead of being like, you look nice, they'd be like, hello, you look dapper. Look yeah. at you like. That's not weird, but like, that's not something not that normal. you would ne- or like, you know, maybe if they were like you and your partner can come with, they'd be like you and your main squeeze can come with like something like that. Like, it's just like a phrase like, like that's, random. That's not a phrase we use these yeah. days. That was like 1935. Right. So it went from like as if Mulder and Scully were showing up at your doorstep to visit you to now it's these like weird humanoid aliens are visiting you and no one can explain why they're weird, but there's just something that makes them weird. Have you ever watched The X-Files? Did you get that reference? I have watched some of The X-Files. Some. Oh, yikes. She's hurting my feelings here, guys. a long time ago. I should watch them. I I did enjoy them a lot. I have an X-Files tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) That song that I showed you the other day had X-Files in it. That's actually what started this conversation the other day. I freaking love that song. (laughs) So Barker would end up going on to write several more books related to paranormal events and UFOs, including in the 1970s. He wrote The Silver Bridge. That's a little bit more creative. I'm okay with that one. (laughs) Silver Bridge. Yeah. Guess what it's about. Is it about a silver bridge? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, The Silver Bridge helped spread the stories of other popular paranormal figures. One creature in particular named Mothman. Is that like your favorite cryptid? (laughs) (laughs) apparently according to the world (laughs) according to your christmas presents (laughs) like okay guys here's the thing i do have favorite cryptids and mothman's probably up there because he's fucking dope right we all love point pleasant mothman but i've never once claimed he is my favorite i received (laughs) for christmas all the mothman merch that is available in the world like you think i'm kidding but bro You name something, I have a Mothman version of it. I have Mothman trading cards. Do you? Like, (laughs) I do. So that already is something interesting is that he tied together not just UFOs, but cryptids and paranormals. He would be a great person to have as a guest on the podcast if he was alive. That'd be great. Yeah. How much of his writing was done in good faith, though, is kind of questionable because the UFO research community thinks that since he does write about like all these things, like that might make him a little less believable because sometimes people that believe in aliens don't believe in cryptids, things like that. You know, you got, you got wishy-washy. A UFOlogist had said in a review that he actually wrote back and forth letters with Barker during the time Barker was writing the book. He said that Barker made it clear to me that he did not take the Men in Black or Mothman seriously. However, 
Barker believes that there's still something mysterious about the whole UFO and paranormal thing. And that's someone that he physically was corresponding with. So, I mean, that's... Eh. But then again, he could also think, like, everyone else keeps leaking my shit. This, this guy might leak something, too. Yeah. So let's talk about a different ufologist, John Keel. John Keel was known for popularizing the term Men in Black heavily with his article that was in a men's adventure magazine called Saga in 1967. Not the same thing as Saga, the uh, like uh, comic book, different. There was an article in this titled UFO Agents of Terror. <sighs> I really want to name the episode that so bad. Agents of Terror. It sounds so cool. Um, Keel claimed to have had encounters with the men in black and referred to them as demonic supernaturals with dark skin or exotic facial features exotic so we're getting more of that telephone game now like yeah. now it's changing entirely keel surprisingly enough had a wildly popular book in 1975 it's called the mothman prophecies <laughs> guess what he talks about kylie does he talk about Mothman? <laughs> he does. <laughs> but he ties this into the Men in Black. And guess who makes an appearance shortly after this? John Sherwood again. <laughs> so in 2002, John Sherwood wrote an article in the Skeptical Inquirer, which, you know, talks shit pretty much <laughs> on people and their beliefs. And this was called Gray Barker's Book of Bunk. He published parts of private letters that were shared between Keel and Barker back and forth. And within those letters, it showed huge differences between what Keel's encounters had talked about in the book and then the encounters that he had talked about in the letters. So they're firsthand seeing how he's pretty much lying. This ended up raising huge red flags about the book. It raised red flags about the encounters and about pretty much any writings that both men had done up to this point. And the last time any stories of the spooky men in black came about had then been multiple years past that, like, or before that, I guess. I'm sorry I said that weird. So with the advance in technology, it could be part of an argument as why we don't see men in black reports anymore, because if these men come to you, can't you just take a picture of them or something? So, right. You would think it would be that simple, but it's but it's but apparently not. not. <laughs> so. Now that we're kind of jumped to today's standards, these are the reasons why people think that the men in black might be a fake story, because that was the last big stories was these books about them. And then they were all debunked and people were like, yeah, we're going to stop writing about these because yikes, we're getting debunked really fast. And then we're not taken seriously in this community that we love so much because you can't have evidence. It makes them harder to say if they're real or not. If these aliens just wanted to keep us a secret so badly about what we saw, couldn't they just like kidnap us or kill us or probe us or wipe our memory? That was uh, that. Gum. Hey, Kylie, if these aliens yeah. wanted to keep us, a, that was a question to you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> OK, we're going to move on. <laughs> so. Let's take it a different route. If we were thinking that they weren't aliens and they were the CIA or FBI, if it's a dude in a suit coming to your home to convince you to never talk about the situation, like it's the CIA and FBI, they could easily make sure you do not talk about it. Oh, yeah. Like there's a reason we don't know what's at Area 51. Oh, yeah. So uh, that kind of makes it sound unbelievable. Well, it's. It's hard not to debunk it. But that makes it of, believable when you say right. it like that. Well, yeah, but, but we don't have like the hard facts, but mm -hmm. we have people like coming with literal experiences. And most encounters of people visited by the men in black do talk about it, like you just said. And with that being the case, though. All right. So the whole theory of the men in black is these dudes come to your house and tell you don't fucking talk about it. So then those people are like, yo, yo I saw I'm the men talk in black. About it. <laughs> Wouldn't the men in black be like, hey, um, buddy, buddy? Remember when I told you no? 
you did it. Let's talk again, this time in my spaceship. Right, exactly. Like, there's never any consequences, which is kind of odd. So, so Kylie, do you still believe in the men in black? I do. I do. I do, too. I know I just spent, like, the past hour debunking them, but here's the thing. I still believe in them. But I've heard other, I've heard stories, so it's hard for me to, like... Say that they're not real. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that also with how believable some people get, that there are yeah, men in the, black. Some of the stories out there are crazy. I want to do an alien abduction and men in black like encounter short stories and even crop circle. Like I kind of want to do just like a big alien short story series sometime. Hey, guys, we really like aliens. <laughs> so sorry in advance. It's just Kylie and I are I well, I would like to say I am. I, I assume you are. We are firm believers there are real aliens out there. Yes. There are definitely. And I can't say for sure if I believe that they all come from space, but I think that the water ones are real. And I also, I think space ones are real too. Come on. The galaxy is fucking huge, bro. I feel like there's a lot that we don't know. So let's talk about how we do know the men in black. The media version. (laughs) So there's this guy named Phil Patton. He's a writer and journalist for the New York Times. This quote came from around 1997 when the first Men in Black movie was released. The transformation of the story from a first press report to a folkloric tale to a comic book and now to a film illustrates how the myth is transformed. That process is not unlike the children's game of telephone or what the literary critic Harold Bloom calls Innovation by misinterpretation. Yikes. That kind of sounds real professional, but uh, <laughs> fuck you, dude. You've never seen him. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. <laughs> so here are some popular depictions of the men in black in the 1960. The what? <laughs> in the 1976 Blue Oyster Cult song. ETI stands for extraterrestrial intelligence. It contains the line three men in black said, don't report this. That's crazy because I've even like seen Blue Oyster. I mean, I was like a child, but I've seen Blue Blue Oyster Cult. And that's very interesting because they also have other songs that are very like. So in 1983, Blue Oyster Cult wrote another song. (laughs) Thanks, Kylie, for the segue. Sorry. (laughs) It's called Take Me Away, which is a song about the singer's desire to leave Earth with the good guy aliens. And it also has a line. It says the men in black, their lips are sealed. I'm sure this is is just funny because like when I was a kid, I would be like singing along to the song. And you you just like have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. In 1979, there was a British punk rock band called the stranglers what a fucking name bro i mean they pretty punky that's a pretty punk name i'd fucking wear a vest that said the stranglers that's dope as shit they recorded recorded (laughs) yeah they what recorded (laughs) okay they recorded (laughs) <laughs> they what <laughs> Ooh, i think it's because i keep seeing that are they recorded a song i'm sorry a song entitled men in black all one word for like men in men, men in, in black men in black, <laughs> men in black. <laughs> it was for their album the raven it was followed in 1981 with the concept album called the gospel according to the men in black (laughs) all one word again it's featuring alien visitations to earth the gospel (laughs) men in black wrote a gospel already then in 1979 there was a film the alien encounters by james t flocker it included men in black who harass a ufo investigator that was portrayed by augie tribeck Try Brack? Sure. I don't know who that is. I didn't I didn't know if some people might. Maybe that's like a famous older actor or some actress. Augie? That's a fe- mm, that's, sir? Yeah. Augie. 
Yep, we're looking Hi, at it. Hi, my name's Augie. Continue. Hi, I'm Augie. <laughs> okay. I, it could be either. In 1990, there was a well-known comic called the Men in Black series. It was created by Lowell Cunningham and Sandy Crothers. Cunningham had the idea for the comic once a friend of him, his had introduced him to the concept of the government Men in Black upon seeing a black man riding around on the streets. In 1997, there was an inspiration from the Men in Black comic book series which was a film starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Then in 1997, that was the first one, sorry, in 1997, Men in Black 2 came out in 2002. Men in Black 3 came out in 2012. Men in Black International came out in 2019. And um, I love the dog character. No, I love the worm character. I love the worm. <laughs> I love the worm. The worm. <laughs> Augie is a male. Oh. Oh, did you look it up? Yeah. Him? So, Kylie, I mean, that's the the basic overture. Overture? Is that a good word to use here? The overture of the Men in Black? Yeah. Okay. So now we get to do a fun, now that we've taught people who, you know, you know what I just did, right? Did you give them the history? Before the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've taught them who the Men in Black are, next time we can do an episode on alien abductions and Men in Black like visitations. That's my favorite part. I freaking love these The stories. mysteries? After the, the history? The mystery. Kylie and I have discussed the concept of merchandise. Yeah. Some stickers or something. Just Everybody to start likes off small. Some stickers. And then we could even do a small sticker giveaway someday or something. <laughs> I can't even say it. More <laughs> thicker. But Final Fridays is our next big feat that we are going to start tackling. And we are really excited. So we can't wait. If you guys have a specific final meal you even want to see recreated someday or some like last meal event, hit us up with it. Maybe we can make it. Maybe we can't. Who knows? But we're going to goddamn try. I don't think I've ever met a recipe I couldn't make. Yeah, it might not taste good, but I can still make it. <laughs> It might not look as pretty as the book, but you know. Yeah, we're we're we try. trying. <laughs> so guys, thank you so much to you guys. Also, we want to give our always amazing cryptic fam shout out thank yous. Damon Vakovsky for making our theme song. Taylor, our artwork creator, Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram is his. Our editing and all of our photos are done by core.media.photography. Also, our actual podcast episode editing, Corey does as well. So thank you very much to him and to all of them. You guys are all a huge, huge part of our family. And so we want to say thank you. Shanks fam. Don't forget to follow the Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Funny story, guys. <laughs> we decided that we wanted to revamp the trailer, make it new, fresh, so that when new people can hear it, they know what our trailer sounds like, right? Spruce it up a little bit. Yeah, just a little spruce tree. With that being said, I had typed it up so that we wouldn't make mistakes, right? You know, we don't, we don't want to sound not professional because we never make mistakes. No. We're really, really We're good. Perfect. So I typed it up, and for Kylie's little spot, I said, <laughs> you can always message us on Instagram. And then I moved on, and Kylie starts recording, and she goes, you can always message Slide in, um, on, the, on, the, on the Instagram? Like, And my voice got really low, like I was going to say, slide on in. And then it never <laughs> happened, and I could, we had to rewrite I it. I was like, Kylie, do you want me to change it? She's like, you took away my catchphrase. <laughs> what i say and i was like you I know what i couldn't do it you're it right lives. and then kylie goes that phrase lives rent free in my head <laughs> it okay does. it does so you know guys slide on in as kylie says. i guess it's our identifiers now <laughs> never thought we'd be the people that say slide on it <laughs> right. you guys can always give an apple podcast review and rating it gets you shout outs it gets you thanks from us we will always personally thank you when it happens also we will personally thank you for spotify ratings if you tell us unfortunately it doesn't or follow tell us you mean follow right follows and ratings on okay. spotify we will always say thank you we will always appreciate you guys because 
you guys are what makes this possible. So thank you again. Remember always to subscribe, follow, tune in, and keep up with us because we will see you for the next episode next Tuesday. Stay tuned. So, and the, I want to stop saying so, fuck. All right, <laughs> let me take a drink. Mm, that Baja goodness. <laughs> Baja goodness. Did I take a picture with my Baja Blast? I don't know, did you? I might have forgotten, fuck. In the end, there were Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop? <laughs> that is the wrong paragraph. <clears> Ahem. <throat>